are listening to the Josh Trains Me podcast. How's Sorrel? Sorrel's good. Yeah, Sorrel's doing well. He's, uh, uh, this is a kind of a cool thing I've been doing. So I've been writing down these cue card kind of memories, right? Could be a funny thing he's saying, could be something I'm going through with him. And I have like 30 of these cue cards that are over the fact of, or over the time of him being like six months to now two plus years. Yeah. And he's, he's just saying some hilarious shit. Like <laughs> that's coming in. Right. And I know you remember yeah. that, like with your kids when they're young and it's just like the context is just hilarious. Yeah. Uh, so there's just a whole bunch of really funny stuff happening now, which is, uh, which is so entertaining, but like health wise, he's good. He's sleeping through the night. Most nights, like he's getting better sleep now. And um, man, he is resilient. Like he's just a, he's a bit of a brute. Like, yeah, I'm going to call, I'm hope I'm what we're hoping without projecting. We're hoping he's, you know, an emotionally intact brute. Yeah. <laughs> right. He's tough, but vulnerable. Maybe that's, isn't that what we're after? I think so. Yeah. No, I definitely like, cause, you know, like, you know, I'm sure, you know, like I'm not an expert at vulnerability, but it just, you know, it helps to bring connection. Right. So. Yeah, definitely. I think that's one of the most important things in, in, uh, in life for me. Um, just when I look at, you know, when I think about leaving the West coast and yeah, it's been tough because I love the mountains. I love the skiing and the mountain biking and everything, but I've met some really great people in Peterborough and uh, you know, that's, that's, you know, I, I'm, I, I feel, I feel like I can be happy anywhere, especially, especially if you can have, you know, make some new friends and have relationships like that. So it's been, yeah. it's been good that way for sure. Nice, man. Um, I, I want to actually share a memory of you because um, this, this would be funny context. So we do know each other uh, decently well for people that are listening to this. You're a chiropractor at a Peterborough. You have, you know, your kind of bio, let's call it family man, two kids, uh, a wife who's also a chiropractor. You guys are very open-minded and, and forward thinking for people that are, that have been doing chiropractic as long as you have been, I would, that's my opinion. And I think other people's too, um, super good athlete. You guys were both high level athletes. Um, avid runner, avid, as you're saying, avid mountain biker, avid skier. Um, this is my memory. You, I want to share. So we're going through, <laughs> you'll remember this too, <clears throat> day, I think day two of the assessment when, uh, when you came in and you're, again, you're, you're open-minded, you're like, okay, let's see, let's get this trainer to take me through some stuff, see where I have imbalances from, from his perspective. And we start to do this unilateral step up exercise where it's like, okay, yeah, I want you to do based on, you know, this weight for your body weight, just do as many as you can um, on the left. And then we'll take a break and we'll go for the right. And I was aiming for like, usually people get like 20 to 30 is pretty awesome. And like, we literally went over the session time because you did so many friggin' step ups. Your volume was like, your capacity was like 15 times higher than I had projected it. So I didn't even leave enough space to do it. You did like 200 step ups per side. And it was like, holy shit, like, right. And then during that time, I'm like, right, man, this is this really mentally tough guy that's done all this endurance stuff. Of course you can do hundreds of reps. Welcome to the show, Peter. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Josh. I can definitely remember it well, because I remember you had to, uh, you had to stop me at 200 because I would have kept, <laughs> I would have kept going to like collapse, which went like, you know, 
it can be kind of dumb about it too because I couldn't I couldn't walk for the next few days after after yeah. doing that. It was like you know like maybe be a little bit uh, smarter about what you put your body through. But anyway, yeah, I was yeah. like, yeah, here's a challenge. I, I want to go for it. Yeah, and and you know, graciously accepting it. Um, what's your, what's your kind of athletic, uh, stint like lately? I know you were training for some runs. You were looking to dial in a 5k run. Yeah. Last time we talked. And I'm still trying to pursue that. I didn't hit my target, uh, last year. Um, you know, I actually, when I, when I planned to do my run, um, it was, I scheduled it for September. Um, and there wasn't a lot of races going on because of, of, uh, COVID, but, um, uh, I was just going to do a track 5k. And my goal was sub 18 minutes. And um, I didn't get to actually do it in September because uh, I had a mountain bike crash and injured my quad badly. And so I didn't actually run it. But I don't think I was there anyway. I I never tested it. I I think I was probably 815, 1815, 1820 range. And so I I realized I had some work to do still. And uh, so I'm still, that's my goal for for this summer right still that uh that sub 18 minute uh 5k so you're at like a 15 to 20 second uh performance increase that's what you're looking at yeah which is which is pretty significant when you get down to those um uh you know when you, as your time gets lower then you know those incremental differences are are that much harder as i'm sure you can relate to with with yeah. uh, your, your, your kind of <laughs> kind of training but i think i think i'm going to hit it this year like my, you know this early in the season looking at my times and how i'm feeling i, I feel i feel like it's definitely achievable so yeah um how does that rank i haven't looked into this but how does that rank in terms of like a like a, an international or national rank for a guy your age like that's got to be pretty high level, isn't it? Sub eight. Yeah, I don't think that you know. I'm I'm 51. Um, I don't think there are that many runners running that kind of time at my age for sure. Uh, definitely, um, you know, in a in a smaller kind of um, you know locally kind of thing. But um, it's definitely there. There are some people doing it, and. I think that uh, I looked up the world record for 5K in my age age ranges, um, you know, like 14 something. So it's pretty, pretty fast, which is just, you know, those guys are just in a completely, I'm not that kind of athlete. I'm, you know, a recreational athlete that is trying to uh, get, get, uh, get faster. I don't think I could have ever, even in my twenties achieved that kind of time. So, um, uh, but, but yeah, so it would, it would win me a lot of races. That's, that's like, I, even, yeah. even local races, even against any age group, that's going to put me on the podium or definitely top 10 for like, even a, in a race in Toronto, Toronto, maybe, uh, you know, that's maybe not Toronto, but definitely Peterborough. And yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a good time, but, but it's not, you know, it's not yeah. world-class. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I just knew that that's a tough distance to the 5k. It's a mentally tough sort of duration to put yourself through. So I can relate to that uh, mental sort of uh, strain, we'll call it. Um, so you had the quad injury. What else is going on for you? What's life been like? Ah, life has been good. So, uh, you know, kids are um, doing well. And, and uh, so I've got, you know, my, my oldest daughter, Kate, she's, she's kind of, 
following in my footsteps a little bit. She's joining the triathlon club here. And so <laughs> running, running her around to um, different practices and uh, swimming lessons and, and her triathlon club, also doing mountain biking, I'm coaching uh, mountain biking um, uh, with the kids here uh, as well. So doing that in between work and uh, doing my training, that's, that's, that's life. Yeah, that's great, man. Yeah, um, your guys' practice is going uh, going well. Um, any kind of new new advancements or anything super new there? Uh, not really. Um, you know, it is going well. We're getting busier. So uh, Ange and I, who's my wife, is also a chiropractor, as you mentioned, um, we share a space, and it's not a big space, and we're kind of. Um, you know, grow, you know, growing and so we're overlapping when we're there. I mean, we're there together a lot now. So mm -hmm. that uh, is presenting some, not, you know, just some, nothing bad, but just challenges as far as we, we have to figure out uh, how we're going to, you know, keep, keep, uh, keep getting busier. Yeah. Logistics, eh? Exactly. Yeah. That's a good problem to have. Exactly. I want to jump into this, um, this. So one of the methods that I, that is, you know, fairly unique to you is this torque method. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I've, I've gone in to see you quite a few times and I was just explaining this to a friend of mine who was asking about chiropractor. And I said, Peter does this technique where I'm like, honestly, at first I didn't know what the fuck he was doing. I trusted him, but I was like, I don't know. He could have told me how it helps and what he's doing. And I still would have been like, I don't, <laughs> I don't get how this helps. You're like sort of touching my back and moving my feet and I feel better after. Um, can you, can you talk a little bit about that to maybe like the layman, like kind of the, in layman's terms and then maybe, you know, build it up a little bit for people that are a little bit more into the science background. Sure. Um, so I started, uh, you know, I did traditional type of chiropractic style, traditional type, uh, style of chiropractic for a long time, um, where we did, you know, manipulating the joints to hear the pop and that kind of thing. And, you know, great results with that, but I was looking for something different because just with, you know, as I was progressing in my career and just learning, um, more about the body and how everything worked, it's, it's really, when you have areas of, of muscle tightness, or a, a bone or a joint that's not moving and functioning properly. It's because your brain is telling your body to do that. When there's muscle, you know, any muscle in your body requires the brain to send a signal down the spinal cord out the nerve to, to actually activate that muscle. So it's really all about the nervous system. So when you have a joint that's not moving, functioning properly, that's stuck, it's actually your nervous system is telling your body to do that. So I was looking for something that was a little bit more neurologically based that this made sense to me um, as far as addressing what was what, what's actually happening. And so I went through, you know, learned uh, a couple of different techniques along the way. And I landed on um, this, on this torque release, a friend of mine, uh, Dr. Derek Porter, who's in Vancouver, um, this friend of mine recommended that I take this torque release course. And so I, I went to the course and, and I, and I was actually the person being uh, demonstrated on and I received an adjustment in my, the base of my skull, the occiput, and I got up off the table and I'm just taking these huge, like my lung expansion was just, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And I've always had a little bit of exercise induced 
asthma, like it really takes a bit, you know, I need to, to um, warm up for 20, 30 minutes before my lung actually, lungs actually start to, um, to open up. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, so I just felt this huge expansion. It was the most powerful adjustment I had ever received in my life. I'm like, oh my God, like this is, this is, this is what I'm going to, to do now. Yeah. And um, so really what it is, is it's, um, it's called a, a tonal technique. And the reason um, why it's called a tonal technique is because it's not just looking segmentally at the body, like, you know, two vertebrae that are, that are misaligned. It's actually how your nervous system is, the tone in the nervous system, how it's, um, you know, firing everything in the body. So when you talked about looking at your, at your feet, mm. uh, different areas of the, of the misalignments, uh, in your spine can actually create an improper tension that causes the whole body to twist and compensate and actually affects the muscles right down into your legs and your feet. And so when I'm looking at that, I'm ha having you turn your head because that changes how your leg length shifts and how your, your, the amount of tension that are, that's in your, in your feet. And so we can use, these body signals to determine exactly where the spinal cord is actually being affected and address those areas to change the tone of the nervous system, um, which is uh, controlling all the muscle activity, but not just the muscle activity. Your nervous system is controlling everything in your body. It's controlling all of your you know, internal functions as well, your, your heart, your lungs, uh, your digestive system. So when we change the tone of the nervous system, then we actually see changes in not just aches and pains and joint function, but actually how your body is, is, uh, is, is functioning overall. Right. And um, so with the adjustments, because we can precisely locate where these are doing this testing, um, it doesn't take a lot of force to actually make a change because we're, I'm not trying to force the bone. So I use a, an instrument that, that gives a gentle stimulation to the vertebrae, but it's not so much about the vertebrae, it's actually stimulating the nervous system at that level, sending information to the brain that allows the brain to better perceive what's happening so that the body can, so that the brain can send the right signals back out to the body to, can, to have everything function at its best level. So I got to say, first off, for anyone listening to this, like I, I would strongly recommend going in to see you or Ange to do this because I did it and it made a big difference in a way that I wasn't sure how it would affect me. And like, I, I loved the assessment because it was so nuanced. It was very gentle. It's very like, un from my experience, it's very untraditional to what I knew about chiropractic or chiropractor and, and adjustments that I had gotten in the past from different chiropractors. Um, so I think it's really, really, I think it could be essential actually in a lot of ways to get that assessment done and, and just get some treatments in that way. Um, in, in your perspective, like it, it sounds like, you know, you went after what we know to be as like the biggest regulator of how we function, how we live. And that is the nervous system, right? That's right. When you're talking about the specific, uh, uh, you mentioned when you're stimulating the nervous system, um, what is actually happening there? Like how, how is what you're doing stimulating the nervous system? Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I can give you um, some information on it. We don't know 
actually absolutely everything about what's happening there. Um, but what we understand is that, you know, all around your, around your spine um, are small muscles um, that are supporting the spine, controlling, uh, you know, giving the spine stability, controlling motion of the spine. So the multifidi muscles, you know, the, the tiny little muscles between the, the vertebrae, the, the suboccipital muscles of the muscles right under the base of the skull. These tiny muscles have um, what are called uh, like mechanoreceptors. They're little, like little nerve receptors. And so they detect movement. They tell your brain when there's motion, they tell your brain where you are in space, like where you're, mm -hmm. where everything is positioned. So well, I know where my hand is right now without looking at it because nerves are telling my brain that it's there. So you have a, a high concentration of these receptors in those little muscles around the spine. So there's, those muscles aren't as important to, for, um, you know, moving the body as they are for, they're more of a sensory organ. Mm. So when we stimulate the, um, those, those vertebrae, it's actually creating a quick um, impulse to those, to those uh, receptors. And so that kind of sends a blast of information to the brain. And so this, this instrument that I use is way faster than I can adjust with my hand. So it's sending this incredibly fast impulse that's calibrated to send the right kind of information to the brain that allows mm. the, the brain to better perceive what's happening. Um, and then once it receives that information, so it's kind of like um, when you have these areas of misalignment, one of the main things that's going on is that the brain isn't receiving good information right. about, about what's happening in the body. So the, there's all sorts of negative consequences of that, because if your brain isn't receiving accurate information, then it can't send accurate signals out to your body to have the body do the right, the right things, whether that's um, muscle um, action or joint joint position but also as i said internal organ function as well so it's just about stimulating those the the brain um to, to get that that communication working uh better again mm. yeah, yeah that makes sense um you know a big thing that comes up in the fitness industry is these sort of sexy topics and there's all there's always these i don't know there, there's a lot of bull crap, uh, when you're scrolling through Instagram and different, uh, different ways to, you know, get, get certain results and all this thing, all this stuff. What I find interesting about this method that you do is it's, it's not particularly sexy. Like you have some pretty cool looking gear, right. But it's really gentle and you're still kind of like, I don't know what, what's happening. And like, it's, it's really similar with certain breath work, right? Which is like another way that we can regulate nervous system. And I'd love to hear your opinions on some of the stuff too, but the stuff that seems to work the best and have the most profound effect seems to be the stuff that's a lot more subtle sometimes. That's right. Is that accurate? Like, I, I, I definitely think, you know, um, one of the adages in, you know, the, in the, with the chiropractors that use this technique is, is, is less, less is more, mm. um, you know, you, you, you don't want to be heavy with the adjustment. You just want to give these quick, uh, stimulations, but not, not heavy. So it's, it's, it's incredibly gentle. Um, but yeah, it's not, it's not about forcing the bone. It's about stimulating that nervous system so that the, so that you're getting that, that proper, um, communication mm. happening. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Yeah. What a, well, I'm, I'm curious, like, because this is such an effective strategy, it's obviously not the only strategy, right? People don't leave and then they're, they're good. So to speak, there's certain maintenance and what are, what are some other strategies that you help people with um, in terms of regulation or in terms of uh, maintaining some of the um, change that you've just helped them make? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and because I think that if you're not doing other things, you can still benefit from the care, but it's going to be it's going to be limited because the reason why you ended up in my office in the first place is because there was different stresses mm-hmm. on your system that created some problems. Yeah. And, and if you're not, um, you know, addressing those or at least trying to best deal with them, um, then then you know problems will come back, or you might have trouble with your problem resolving. Um, so one of one of the biggest recommendations, one of the cl- most common recommendations that I make is is as you mentioned, uh, breath work uh, or, or meditation, um, because you know I think that when I ask a lot of people if they're if they're meditating, and most people tell me no, and I'm. Uh, I think they should be because the research is pretty clear. It's like meditation is kind of like exercise. It's really, it benefits every single aspect of your physiology. Like it's pretty, it's pretty incredible. Um, But what are, what, one of the things it does is it helps um, calm down your, your, your nervous system. I think most people are familiar with that, but calming down of your nervous system has really wide ranging effects like it's not just about feeling calmer it's actually bringing your nervous system into a a better state of balance so it performs better so i'll introduce a couple of um words here um that some people might be familiar with others not those that there's two sides of your autonomic nervous system the autonomic being the kind of automatic part of your nervous system that's controlling all your internal processes your breathing your heart rate your circulation your digestion so there's the sympathetic side of your nervous system, which is your fight or flight response, your stress response. Then there's the parasympathetic side, which is where healing and calming every nervous system happens. It's called the rest and je- rest and digest part of the part of the nervous system. And so you really need to have two side like those two sides in, in balance. And um, most people get stuck in that sympathetic side. So essentially. Um, that when they're just in a resting state, so at, at the, on, on the couch watching TV, their nervous system is actually jacked up in a, in a fight or flight state like they're, you know, like they're being chased by a tiger. And because in modern society, we have all the stress on us, and it's not just emotional stress, it can be physical stress, chemical stress, emotional stress, those different stresses accumulate and so basically our nervous system is always on, you know? Um, so that's that part of the nervous system is great for when you're in a fight or flight situation, or if you're working out, you know, you want your muscles to perform. Um, so you're going to get a lot of circulation to, um, you know, your, your arms your, and your legs to be able to fight or, or, or flee, but your digestion set, shuts down, your immune system isn't as, as active your healing and repair shuts down. So essentially you're not, you know, you're, you have the stresses of the day. You want to be able to rest and recuperate from that. When you're sleeping at night, that's when most of the healing and repair happens. But 
our nervous systems are stuck in that stress state all the time. So we're not able to heal and repair properly. And uh, so things start to break down over time. So we actually have testing in the office using heart rate variability, which is looking at the changes in the heart rate over time um, that can actually demonstrate if you're stuck in that sympathetic or parasympathetic parts of the, of the nervous system. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Go on about that a little bit more. I'm, 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 I'll get back to that, but I just wanted to finish with the, with the meditation and kind of relate it back to torque release because meditation helps bring, you know, bring better balance. It helps bring on that parasympathetic side, calm that sympathetic side. So you're in better balance. You're, so your quality of sleep is going to be way better. I use it because one of the main reasons that motivates me to, to meditate or do breath work is because I want to perform uh, in my sports. And yeah. I do it like often before interval night when I really want to my body to perform because it actually helps, you know, bring relaxation to the muscles, my joints move better. So people are, who are having, you know, musculoskeletal problems, meditation actually makes a huge difference to bringing that uh, calming to your nervous system because when that sympathetic side is is jacked then everything your whole body is 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 tense you're kind of and you're forward you're, it actually changes your posture into more of that right. kind of curled up into a ball state the other thing the last thing i'll, I'll say about it uh is that well that's one of the things that that the um the technique that i use the torque release chiropractic care brings on that parasympathetic side. So it's actually creating a, uh, a better balance in, in your nervous system. And that's why we test it because that's probably, um, you know, the, the, the greatest thing you can do is actually get these adjustments to help bring your nervous system to a better, into a more relaxed, balanced um, state. So people often report um, when they start care, which is often surprising to them is that, okay, my energy is way up, my sleep is way better, I'm actually better able to, to handle stress. Like I can have the same level of stress in my life, but I'm actually able to handle it better now because when you're in that fight or flight state, you're more in that reptile, reptilian brain, more reactive right. state. Anyway, so I said a lot there, but- uh, Oh, it's great. Uh, like it's, it's awesome. I'm gonna jump in for a second too, because, um, there's a, there's, there's absolutely a trend, like we're talking about the nervous system and you're talking about, you know, you're doing this calming thing because it affects not just feeling of calm, but it affects all of these other things. And in, in your situation, you're like, well, I know this is going to help me perform better tomorrow for 17 of these reasons. Right. And I think it can be important. Um, like the nervous it's that we all have a nervous system and, and we can all tap into it like quite simply and very like immediately. So, you know, this type of testing you do is, is awesome. And as you're saying, like, we need to keep doing other stuff too. It's not like you do this type of assessment and then you're good. It's like, you still got to live your life. And there's ways that you can integrate your like nervous system regulation into other things that you're already doing anyway. So it doesn't necessarily need to be a big, like add on, like, you know, now I'm doing my nervous system regulation techniques. It can be like, so like common things that come up with clients of mine are, you know, they want to get uh, more mobile. It's like, okay, well, we can, we can go through, you know, common mobility practices and focus on breath work to address your nervous system so that you get better result from the mobility exercises. Or we can focus 
just on breath work. And that's kind of what you're saying too. It's going to calm you down more. It's going to get your body into a more relaxed state so that you don't guard in the same kind of way. So I feel like in a lot of the things that I talk about, um, my kind of like variation of your, not a variation, my method of understanding nervous system would be through the CO2 tolerance test, right? right? Which we did when, when we uh, were training a bit. Um, and I found that that not something I created, it's something that I learned in a course, but I have found that that's, is also a really good correlation. And it's the same thing. It's just another way to kind of gauge where your nervous system is operating. Cause you can't, you can't, you can't outdo your nervous system. Like you can't outrun it. You can't out breathe it. You can't like, it's, it's the center. I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of like who, what we are. Right. Absolutely. You know, we, uh, we, in chiropractic, we have a saying is that you, you live your life through your, through your nervous system, right? Because it's, it's controlling absolutely every single system in your body and everything you perceive is, is, you know, through all your senses is through the nervous system. It's, it's key. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think that you're right about, um, you're doing the different things and, you know, working on, uh, mobility and, and, but there is a challenge with people because of the, of the time, you know, I have a, I have a pretty, uh, regimented way of approaching these things. And I spend, you know, at least minimum, minimum of an hour, um, every night, um, doing my kind of nightly routine of, of uh, foam rolling, stretching, breath work. And this, because I value the result so right. much. But not every not everybody is, is willing to to do that to commit to that. Um, but there are definitely some techniques um, that you can do in, in the in the short term. Um, so one of the things that, you know I was working on this morning, I was doing some rolling and and so incorporate. So I do the rolling, but I'm or stretching. I'm always incorporating breath into that. So I'll take you know a a, a breath in four seconds and then a breath out for eight seconds. And the reason why that's recommended is because when, when you're breathing the sympathetic, so a breath in the sympathetic side, that stress side is actually stimulated a little bit where when you're breathing out, the parasympathetic side is stimulated more. So you do the shorter breath and it shouldn't be a, a, an aggressive breath in, it should be just a, a controlled breath in and then a nice slow and controlled breath out. And that's can really help you uh, feel calm, but you'll actually, when you're doing muscle work, you're actually, you'll feel the muscles release uh, more effectively when you're, when you're incorporating that, that breath work at the same time. So you can kind of double up on those, on those things. Mm -hmm. Another thing, another uh, technique that I use that I'm sure you're familiar with, Josh, um, is, you know, I learned this from Andrew Huberman, is the, is the quick, like the double breath. So you do a, mm -hmm. like two breaths stacked on top of each other. Um, it's called physiological sigh, if anyone wants to, to, uh, to look it up. And um, so that actually is, you know, according to Andrew Huberman, who's a neuroscientist, is the fastest way to bring your nervous system into a more balanced state. So he recommends that you do it in two or three breaths, but they compared doing those, those uh, physiological size and actually doing five minutes of physiological size and 
comparing that to other types of breath work like a box breath or or mm-hmm. that for for a breathing or med- or meditation and that doing those physiological size for five minutes um beat everything else out as far as mm. uh, improvements in heart rate variability and that kind of thing so if, cool. if, you, if you can afford five minutes then then that's um something that people can do to help uh if they're feeling stressed then right um it's a good habit to to get into so that's kind of good to clean that up because there's a lot of like breath work is a it's getting to be decently sexy right like you take yeah. all these courses and stuff i've learned a lot through some really educated people on breath work so have you um but kind of fine-tuning it you're like if you have a couple minutes this tends to be the most sort of bang for your buck breath exercise it's very simple to do you don't need any tools or instruments or gear it's free breathing is free that's the great thing about it um that's really simple that's good to know because there's a lot of techniques you could do but that's a that is a good one yeah, exactly. And that, and that being said, you know, I, I like that technique, um, but I, I get the best result when I'm doing that plus other things, you know, doing the, doing the paced breathing, doing my meditation, that kind of thing as well. Yeah. One thing that helped me um, understand this a little bit more, you talked about, uh, you know, when you inhale, it stimulates your sympathetic state versus when you exhale, it's, sympath- uh, um, it's more your parasympathetic. And I, I, sometimes it's just like numbers to me. I'm it's a ratio. It's like, okay, four seconds, eight seconds. Then we're putting a bigger priority on parasympathetic. And that's where we need to go because as you're saying, and anyone in the health industry realizes that people generally sort of live in a sympathetic dominant state for most of their being, and it needs to be about balance or kind of give and take. So if you could just prioritize, even if it's just like coming back to the most simple way to implement regulation it's like just notice your breathing even be a little bit more mindful of your breathing through today will probably have pretty huge effects on literally everything we're talking about then you know the more you get mindful the more you're implementing breath work and maybe mobility or exercise then you slowly start to get into the realm of like an hour at night that's dialed in of like breath work mobility stretching and you know what the result's going to be because you, you know, you put enough emphasis, you know what the result's going to be and you care enough about that because you know how good you feel. And this is an interesting thing. And I know that you can relate to this because you see a lot of patients. It's like, it's interesting when, when I can speak on behalf of this too, it doesn't need to be general when you don't realize that you feel shitty. Yeah. Like that's, it's such a crazy thing. You get so used to, so pain, right? Pain too. Cause a lot of people would come in. I came in to see you cause I had this neck pain. And uh, that was my main concern. And I had had this neck pain for years, but I, I was, I was aware of it. I tried to fix it, but I got so used to that, that I forgot what it felt like not to have it. It builds up slowly. Right. And so I see that all the time. Um, and, you know, when I'm in my running club and, and uh, looking at the, you know, the, the, you know, the younger runners compared to the, the people that are um, my age and, and older and, just the mobility that people have and, uh, you know, things, things become less, less mobile and people develop more problems and, you know, we get older, but, um, I think you can really, uh, mitigate that by doing the right things, but yeah, you're right. I think, I think because it builds up slowly most of the time, um, is that people don't realize that like, if you have an acute, you wake up with an acute neck or something like that, then you, re- you, real 
realize the difference, but when it's kind of the slow progression of losing your mobility, then um, I think that's pretty easy for that to happen. And it happened, and it happened to, it happened to me. Like I, all of a sudden, I realized that wow, I'm you know I used to be able to you know stand and put my hands flat on the floor um, with straight legs, and just like all of a sudden, I realized like wow, I I can't do that anymore. What's mm. What's, what's going on there so I just really started uh, to focus on it and it's like yeah things things can can definitely get better yeah let's uh, let's jump into HRV a little bit it's a okay. it's a, it's a um, a gauge that you use in your own training I know too in your own well-being at your practice um, what are you wearing for wearables by the way are you tracking your HRV yeah I'm using my polar uh, my polar watch. Um, it does it reasonably well. I, I wore a whoop strap for a year. Right. Yeah. And um, I, I loved it. And so, the, you know, the first thing I do every morning is come down and look at, <laughs> look at <Yeah>. my stats. <laughs> it was great. And, uh, but it was, you know, it was like 45 bucks uh, a month. And so after a while, I was like, you know, it was um, diminishing returns. I felt like I had a good handle of, of what uh, kind of habits really, you know, made things uh, better in my health. So, it was a useful tool for that year, but now this does, this gives me enough information that, that, um, and I'm, it's doesn't cost me anything besides the initial purchase purchase of the watch. So mm. I'm happy with just using that for now, but yeah, so I get a heart rate variability, uh, reading every morning. I, it, it tracks my, my sleep cycles, not very accurately, according to, you know, I did a little bit of research and <laughs> yeah. there's, no, there's no wearable, none of the wearables are doing it great as far as, you know, seeing it, how you are in that REM sleep, that deep, those deep sleep cycles. But yeah. it's giving me um, relative to my other nights of sleep yeah. where I'm at anyway, because I think they do that reasonably well. So, yeah, long yeah. answer to your question. That's what I'm wearing. Oh, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. And then how do you feel? Um, how do you utilize HRV? Like, would you use it? Do you use HRV with, you know, general population that are coming in for a bit of pain? Like, do you talk to them about that? Or do you, do you test HRV every time they're coming in or how do you use it? Not every, not every time um, they're coming in, uh, but but we do it at, um, um, we do it at the first visit and then we do it at their progress exams, uh, Hmm. which are usually, um, you know, maybe every month or or so we're doing uh, a re-exam or after a certain number of visits, we'll do a re-exam to see how things have, have changed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how we use it in the office. And, and we've been using heart rate variability in the office for um, a long time now. So, uh, you know, I, it was through chiropractic that I actually heard about heart rate variability because um, it wasn't as widely known like it is now. Um, but there was some leaders in our profession who developed this technology and and so i've been working with it for years and so it's um but then when the wearables started coming out uh it was really great because now as you can get these daily readings yeah um, which are so helpful so i recommend my patients you know track it and i i i tell them about um elite hrv is the app that i use and um so i recommend that to my patients frequently to use that that app, you have to have some sort of way of gathering the information. So I use my my Polar H10 chest strap because it's it's um it's really accurate for collecting the information. Um, so that's what I recommend for people to, on a daily basis to be able to modify their habits 
uh, right. using using that technology. But we use it as a gauge in our office of actually looking at how are we doing as far as improving your physiology. Right. Now, you know, I, I'm sure this gets down to a specific example, but like with HRV, you can, we're generally checking it every, you know, for someone that's, we'll say the general athlete. So you and me, people that are training for something, we're checking it every day, right? Yes. Or we're getting a gauge every day. And we like, there's several things that can affect our HRV versus like, you know, increasing it or decreasing, increasing it for folks that aren't sure of it increases is better. The higher it is, the better it is, the more optimal your health is, your well being, the better your performance is going to be the lower, generally the, the less you'll perform and the less you you're feeling good. Um, so from checking it every day, do you, is it still accurate if you're checking every month? Like if someone, if someone comes in and the night before, like we know some of the parameters around lower HRV or like, you know, alcohol, poor sleep, major stress, maybe they did a crazy volume of training. Like all of these things can affect that. Like, how do you, how do you go about that in order to keep it accurate enough to be like, things are going well or things are not going well? Yeah, that's a good, that's a great question. Um, and it seems with the technology that we have at the office, it doesn't, fluctuate you know the algorithm that that technology uses it doesn't fluctuate as much as your nightly readings um mm. th that you know just look at that um that rmssd uh, number which is what most of the wearables uh, um uh, have you use so when we look at the heart rate variability um it plots on a graph of where your heart rate variability is. And it's actually, if you're not changing anything, it's pretty, it's pretty stable and it doesn't vary okay. very, very much. So if it has swung uh, in, an, in an unexpected way, then I'll ask the person like, what's, what's happening? Um, you know, did you, did you have a workout this morning, like just before you came in or, or, right. or something, something like that. Um, but no, it's, it only, um, it, it changes slowly over time with the, with that technology. So we can kind of, I think it's, it's, it's a good gauge. How, how, so that, yeah, that's, that sounds super reasonable. Um, how, how important do you think it is to check it every day and to adjust things based on that? Like if you're saying it's, you know, it's a decently slow change. Does it really matter if we track it daily? Uh, I, you know, of course, I, that's a good, that's a good question. According to you know when I, I listen to the, the guys from Whoop the, on their podcast and, and yeah. they they feel it it really gives you a sense of what your body's ability what your body is able to do that day as far as performance or it can give you an indication. Um, but really, it's a it's a measure of how much strain you've put on your body, and I definitely see that with the daily measurement. Like if I you know the morning after I do my running intervals, it's always lower. So, which makes sense, you know, I've depleted my body, which I want to do with that workout. Mm -hmm. And, and I, uh, it's going to take me a couple of days to fully recover from that. So, um, I think it is a useful tool in looking at how well has your, has your body recovered? And, you know, am I, am I ready to go? I don't, I don't think it's perfect, but I think it's, it yeah. is a, it is a useful tool for sure. But, you know, it, it can vary, you know, day to day, just based on, 
it's not just your training because it's also your your stress level um, that can really like if you have a lot of emotional stress like um, and you have some sort of test coming up or something like that or you're having relationship problems like your heart rate variability will definitely um, go down so it's not just that that physical stress or training that's going to have an effect on it but those kinds of stresses are going to affect your performance so it's you have to look at everything and uh, in its totality to how it's affecting your performance and how much stress you can put your body through. Yeah, good call. I, I've i been having a lot of conversations about this because I got this aura ring. This is a new aura ring, right? And yeah. it's supposed to be, well, I heard, who knows, but it's supposed to be the most accurate, but still not. It's there's Wearables are not 100% accurate. We know that. Sorry. But even if like, this is a, this is a thing that I'm coming up against because people will say, Hey, how do you like your ring? And I'm like, well, you know, I know what it's, I know what it does. So it's, it's fine. But I'm just saying, I'm like, do, do I recommend something like this to someone? Because it's like, it gives you the data. And this is something that Andy Galpin said in one of the podcasts too. It's like, you know, I don't know that there's technology available for, uh, you know, um, the, the population of like non-scientists to actually for it to be helpful. It's like, so, okay. So we get all this data now what? So it's like, okay, so I'm tracking my HRV. Well, how do I make that, you know, a couple points higher or like, you know what I mean? Like you, I get resting heart rate, heart rate, variability, body temperature, respiration rate gives me my HRV balance, my recovery index, my sleep, my sleep balance, previous day activity. Like there's a decent amount of shit to look at there. And I think the more complex it gets, the more I tend to get back to simple, like less is more, as you said, too, in the chiropractic world. So I guess I'm kind of giving advice to people that are maybe not sure of this. And it's like, there's also a really good strategy to um, checking in with yourself and it's called mindfulness. Mm -hmm. Right. And I know you'll speak positively on that because that's also basically meditation and breath work. It's all the same shit. It's like just tuning into your body and not letting something external tell you how you feel. It's like developing some more intuition and uh, ability to check in with yourself. So that's kind of my opinion of wearables right now. It's like, I think they're great. They're cool. They're, it's something to talk about. It does give me some good info. And then I'm also like, you know, it's pretty cool. Just to ask yourself how you feel sometimes too. If you have the discipline to do so. Yeah, and I I think that um, I think you're really talking about the limitations of the technology and also some of the, the problems with it, because I think for some te- some personalities, it's actually stressful to actually look at it and and have you know, if you're getting a negative number and and it could actually make things worse, or yeah. if you actually are expected to perform that day and you look at your reading and it's a it's a bad reading then psychologically that's not going to be beneficial because if you just, as you say, just check in, it's like, yeah, I feel good. I feel ready to go. Um, then that confidence is going to help you perform better versus if you actually look, it's like, Oh, I'm in, I'm in the red. I've got a really bad reading today. I'm not, I'm not ready to go. Then right. that's a, that's a problem uh, for me. It's just been kind of fun. I, I, yeah. I look at it cause it's um, I like, I like actually trying to get my numbers up as as high as possible. And the habits that I've developed 
have been influenced by using the technology. You know, I do that hour to hour and a half nightly routine because I see it affect my numbers and mm-hmm. it affect my numbers, but also yeah. affect how, how I feel. So it correlates. Yeah, of course. And, uh, so yeah, I've, I, I like it. I like it, but it's not for everybody. Yeah, that's fair. And even, even the mindfulness thing, there's an example where that that's not necessarily, you know, doesn't necessarily trump that for instance, and you know, this feeling from training so long, you wake up in the morning, if you don't feel very good, if, if that was the only indicator of like what you're going to do, or if you're going to train that day, that would be a pretty piss poor indicator because you and I both know the amount of times you allow discipline to be like, okay, so I don't feel very good, but I'm still going to train or I'm going to start to train and see how I feel. The amount of times you start training and then you get through it and you're like, oh, that was so much better. I'm glad I did that. Like that happens almost every time. So yeah, even the fact that I'm saying, you know, being mindfulness is great or being mindful is great. There's a certain sort of intersectionality between like the technology that's out here now that's accessible and whilst still developing some like mindfulness and self-awareness, probably both pretty helpful. And, you know, you just sort of pick where you want to be on the spectrum. Yeah. Um, that's my thought. What do you think? Does that sound pretty good? No, I think I, I agree. Um, I want to talk to you about, uh, or hear from you about how you're, you have two kids, you're, you're, you guys are super, you know, tuned into nervous system regulation and development. Um, how do you feel that's affected your kids? Like from yours and Angie's understanding of how humans regulate, how has that affected how you parent? Big question. Yeah. Yeah. That is a big question. And, and, you know, I think it's always, uh, present in our, in our minds. Um, you know, certainly, uh, you know, we're, we're uh, not not perfect parents, but uh, as I, I don't think anyone is, but um, but yeah, no, it's it's definitely something that we're we're conscious of. Um, yeah, you know, one of the you know one of the things that um, that you know, our kids have the benefit of getting, like we adjust, we, they get chiropractic adjustments every single, every single week, um, which helps, you know, bring them into uh, a better nervous, nervous system state. And, and we often base those, when those adjustments happen, when we see problems with emotional regulation. Um, so, you know, the, the, if someone is, uh, you know, getting upset more easily and it's like, oh yeah, you really need an adjustment let's get you let's get you checked right um, so, so that's definitely um a big factor but uh, Ange has done a ton of work with just looking at um different ways of parenting and she's taught me through her her um readings and and the courses that she's that she has uh has, has taken um so yeah we're just always conscious of um you're just trying to keep things, um, just not, not shame our kids. Um, and just, you know, for example, we don't do, um, timeouts because, uh, something that she, uh, that she has learned is that just that separation from 
every, from everybody is, is something that's stressful to the nervous system. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can actually magnify the behavior that you're actually trying to, to, uh, to correct. Right. Those kinds of things. Yeah. I know this could be a whole, absolutely a whole episode on just like tactics for helping kids with regulation for sure. Probably more than an hour. There's yeah. probably, there's thousands of techniques for that. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and Ange would be the person to do the podcast with, because she, that's kind of her, her area of expertise and, and, and focus is, is working with the pediatric population. And she's just done so much uh, learning with, with respect to that. And she works with a lot of kids with, um, you know, ADHD and, mm. and, um, and those kinds of problems because just that nervous system regulation just can make such a huge difference. Yeah. You know what? Obviously the theme is nervous system regulation. And uh, even when you bring up ADHD, I, I heard this in an interesting way, AD, like, you know, attention deficit hyperactive disorder. But I think what, what I heard it referred to as is um, a lack of being seen, like a lack of connection. Right. So, you know, what's the combat? It's like reaching out more like that. That kid is trying to get your attention even more. So they're hyperactive about it. And it, so it, it's, it's sort of the, how, how I, how I understood it was kind of the same as what you just said about like timeouts. It's like, you know, your kid's acting up. So you, you give them a timeout and it magnifies that. It's like, you know, your kid might need you, but they're not necessarily able to, maybe they don't have the regulation or the skill set to say, Hey, I need you for this connection. They might be yelling or swearing or trying to get your attention in some other way. Whereas it can kind of magnify the problem. If we don't address that, it might be about connection or a lack of connection. Yeah. I don't know. I have a two-year-old, so it's not quite the same right now, but in a lot of the, in a lot of the same ways, it's about these same types of themes just at a, a more like um, preliminary kind of way. Right. Cause he's so underdeveloped in his brain right now, not underdeveloped, just he's too. Yeah, exactly. He's Early stages of development. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. I can't put too much pressure on him. He's only two. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and that's something Ed always has, has to, has to remind me of, like, cause sometimes, you know, I, I would expect my oldest daughter to um, kind of have uh, the, the rational behavior that, a, that an adult would have. And it's just, it's an unrealistic uh, expectation. So. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you talked about your kids getting into sports, your oldest daughter kind of following in your footsteps with the triathlon and stuff. Those are big shoes to follow, but clearly it's a good influence to have being active with your kids in that. How do you think sport plays a role in kids' lives for the good, the bad? How do you think it can affect kids? Oh, yeah, it's, I can speak personally, like, uh, I need to be active um, to actually feel good in my in my head. You know, I need to, some sort of activity almost every day to actually feel feel um, you know good energy and and you know that it helps bring that emotional regulation for me. Like it helps uh, my nervous system. Um, so I think that being active for for people, I think, is just is it helps the brain. Uh, perform better so I think there's that aspect of it you know we know that exercise um, 
is, you know, just helps you be healthier. And then there's all the social things that go along with, um, you know, participating in, in sports, the relationships that are developed through, uh, through sport. I think that, um, you know, it can develop uh, good, good discipline. Um, uh, and just, you know, uh, focusing on goals and, and that kind of thing. But, you know, at this stage for, for Kate, I don't want her to have like too much pressure on herself. I just want her to, to have, have fun. And I think that's what it's all about is just, just kind of discovering what you, what you like and, and mm -hmm. pursuing your, you know, lots of different things that you can figure out what, what you like. Totally. Yeah. Do you see there being any downfalls to your kids being in sports? I'd say the one downfall uh, for for our family is because Ange and I, you know, like for me especially, you know, I um, and Ange too, um, we have that's been that's been a big focus in my life. Like I have always participated in in sports and and more than music or drama or other other kinds of things. Mm -hmm. um, uh, that's been just what I am passionate about. And Kate, uh, my oldest, um, and, and Ella too, she, she's not like, because she's younger, um, she hasn't got into the different organized sports as much, but, you know, she has lots of talents and I want her to uh, discover all those different things. So I think that um, we can, you know, kind of tend to push the, the athletics because that's, that's what our bias is. But so mm -hmm. we have to keep that in mind. So you see a downfall as more like our projection that we might have onto our kids if we yeah. have if we see a certain importance with sport. Yeah, and and because that's a that's a really good way of, of putting it too is because uh, I try not to put any any pressure on my kids, but um, you know I'm I'm a coach of you know I coach cross country skiing and I coach mountain biking and and so with Kate when I'm trying to you know I see her performing. It, a certain sport and I, I try and coach her and she'll, she'll just like like she'll shut me down and I'm like you know, I say yeah okay you just do it like just have fun because yeah. <laughs> she, doesn't, she doesn't want to be instructed all the right. time and how to get better she just wants to wants to have uh fun with it so I have to be very careful of of um you know not putting pressure on her to uh to uh you know go to the Olympics or get yeah. a scholarship or something like that, which, totally. which, uh, you know, if, if she does that great, but, um, but I uh, certainly don't want that, uh, that pressure to be there. One thing I've learned recently uh, is uh, it's from a book called psycho cybernetics. Have you ever heard of it? No, I haven't. It's this book from a, a plastic surgeon that wrote a book on self image. It's really interesting. Anyway, one of the, one of the sort of, one of the takeaways, one of the hundreds of takeaways is that we learn from experience, not from people telling us. Right. So it's kind of fascinating to bring that in because, you know, you're you're in a, a field of helping people manually, like or or verbally, like, you know, you're you're a pretty holistic chiropractor. I think you'd classify yourself as that, I'm sure it's yeah, a pretty well-rounded approach. And I'm pretty well-rounded, too. But it's so interesting when like you and I both know sometimes some people or sometimes even maybe you and me as individuals we just want to try it and see what happens like there's just the whole let me do it and see what happens there's that whole like experience side of it 
versus like knowing or being coached on it first or being told what the outcome is going to be or being told how to do it. It's, I don't even know where I'm getting at with this point, but it's just kind of a, it's an interesting quality about humans where we just need to like, we just need to experience things sometimes. And whether it's sport or whether it's people in our lives dying or it's grief or it's fucking anger or it's injury or like whatever, like we won't know how to build. We won't be able to be resilient unless we go through that stuff. I don't know. It's a big thought. Yeah, no. Yeah, I, I think uh, when you when you first started talking about it, I was thinking about it through uh, through sports and and how I learn. Um, I think that that's probably accurate. That I I like to just you know show me once uh, or you know tell me what to do and then let me let me do it. Yeah. And, that, and then I'll learn. Okay. And then get feedback from that and then I'll often go and um you know let's say I've recently started playing tennis again after a couple of decades of not 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 playing because <laughs> I, I played a ton as a kid so I played um at a at an okay level but you know I'm completely rusty so yeah. I go out there and then I go and I watch some videos um on how to do it better and kind of process that over overnight and, and try and try again. But yeah, that um, it's interesting. It's an, yeah. I haven't heard that concept before, but I, I uh, I'm going to keep that in mind. Yeah. Well, and, and it's, you know, I'm not even telling you, I'm like, you know, I have my own life and then I'm helping race, uh, helping race Sorrel, obviously. And I have clients in that, you know, you and I are in similar, similar responsibilities for how we help people and who we're interacting with. But yeah, it's really interesting. Like for me, when I, when I read that, I'm like, just to almost be there when someone is experiencing someone is something is sometimes enough. Like I don't have to help the person. Right. Right. Okay. Um, which is difficult when it might mean like your kid, you know, the kid might need to get hurt here a little bit in order for them to learn versus you telling them they're going to get hurt. Like that's a sharp knife. I'm not yeah, going to let you juggle knives when you're two, but eventually you're going to have to learn that the knife is sharp so that you and your nervous system can pattern that, right. That knife is sharp and this is what it feels right. like versus. Yeah. Sorry. I, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't understanding what you were getting at uh, totally um, there. So yeah, I, I have a better concept now of what you're, of what you're talking about. And, and um, yeah, that totally makes sense. You know, I, I, I have a friend, uh, who has a, has a, you know, we have a trampoline in the backyard and, and we've got, you know, it's one of the, the, the modern ones with the netting all around. And so the kids aren't going to bounce out of it. So my, but my friend has a trampoline with no netting and we go down there to have the kids jump and we're, you know, Angie and I are just terrified the whole time, yeah. but, but his philosophy is like, well, they're, they're going to learn to how to be safe on the trampoline because yeah. there's no, there's no protection there. So it's kind of that, you know, um, not being a helicopter parent, um, you know, not having them do anything crazy, but have them learn from, from, um, experience. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. eh? it's like, it makes you sort of be like, shit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm, I'm way more relaxed with that kind of stuff than, than Ange, like Ange, 
is is more protective for sure. But I'm I'm a little bit more of that philosophy. It was like, yeah, they just let them do it. They'll be fine and yeah, and and, and, and figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough concept to get around to for me, like having a toddler, it's like, I don't want them to get hurt. Um, but like, you will have to learn to get hurt a little bit. And I don't know, so far, he's great. And things are going well. And uh, parenting is pretty challenging overall. It's really rewarding, but it's definitely the most challenging thing I've done. Like a constant, you don't know how well you're doing constantly. <laughs> kind of never know if you're doing better. I don't know. Yeah, no. Uh, I, I I had this vision that I was going to be this uh, this you know kind of perfect parent and 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 uh, but once I was especially after my second one was born, I'm like, no, I'm making tons of mistakes, and and my kids are going to come back to me years from now and tell me where I screwed up. But it's like that's yeah. that's life. Yeah, yeah. Good good way to sort of own that too, right? Like we're human. Mistakes are part of it. I'm going to try and. The way it goes, well, even whether that's sport or whatever, right? We're gonna make mistakes. Um, Peter, I really appreciate you jumping on, man. I know we jumped around in a lot of topics, but um, you know, partly because we know each other and I and I knew you had a lot of expertise in quite a few different fields and in areas. So I'm I'm really grateful to pick your brain on these things. And uh thanks for your time on here. Yeah, it was great to chat with you and great to see you uh, again, Josh. 